If you're a business continuity professional, this is a topic that deserves your attention. It will help your organization be more resilient, and I would encourage you to pay attention to the next 28 minutes or so. Stick around, and I'll tell you why. Hello, everyone, and welcome as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. Welcome to episode 39. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and this is part two of my conversation with Vice President of Marketing for R3 Continuum, Jamie Gassman. This week, Jamie explains how a more resilient workforce allows your organization to bounce back faster. She shares some misconceptions about mental health in the workplace, and we discuss how a leader can be effective in a crisis situation, even when they're struggling to deal with it themselves. We'll get to it shortly, but first, here's a brief word from Ashley at the Resilience Think Tank. Welcome to the Resilience Think Tank. I'm Ashley Guzman, and along with my co-founders, we created the Resilience Think Tank in 2021, dedicated to providing independent guidance and research to the risk and resilience industry. As founders, we're based in Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States, and have a combined experience of over 87 years of helping organizations to become resilient. We are committed to ensuring diverse voices are included in making communities and organizations more resilient. I hope you'll join us. So in our first episode, Jamie, we talked about a little bit about what R3 does. We also spent some time talking about uh, the pandemic. Uh, and uh, the impacts on mental health. What I'd like to do is talk about resilience and and some some things dealing with a disruptive event. Uh, the sponsor of the Resilient Journey is an organization that I'm a co-founder of called the Resilience Think Tank, and we focus on all types of resilience, including business resilience, personal resilience. And you had a quote that you shared in our first episode from your CEO that said, my business can't recover unless my people can recover. And I just love that. I mean, I think that's just, that's brilliant. But I'd be interested to know, how do you define resilience? And talk a little bit about the benefits of resilient people and resilient organizations. Yeah. So, you know, when looking at resilience and my, and when I'm looking at it, I mean, I like to feel like I'm a pretty resilient person. I grew up an army brat. Um, so moved around a lot. And so I feel like actually it's, it's crazy, you know, it's this whole like change in the work environment. I thrive on it where not a lot of people do. <laughs> so I think from a resilience perspective, that's really somebody's ability to recover and get through some of the toughest times. Right. And obviously over the last two years have been some of our toughest times. And, you know, our, our medical director gave a great quote during COVID. Um, we did, um, I don't know if it's a podcast or a, a webinar, but he talked about lobsters and the process that lobsters take to shed their shell and mm-hmm. how it's very, very painful. But once they get through it, they come out a new person. And so I think that that wow. to me is like resilience, right? Like, or they come out a new lobster, not really a person, but yeah, you yeah. kind of get what I'm saying there. And I, I just love that. And I kind of re- reiterate his story and other things that I've, you know, in other way, places I've, I've talked with. Because I think that it just speaks to us as human beings, you know, there's, there's like even a song, you know, like what doesn't kill us makes us stronger kind of right. mentality. But so for me, resilience is really how you get through and recover and come out kind of that stronger individual on the other end. 
And I think there's a natural level of resilience within all of us. And I think some of that is shaped through our life experiences, which is why I shared being an army brat, because Mm. I grew up moving around a lot and um, it's a different type of lifestyle. And it's through those different types of lifestyles and life experiences that we grow as individuals. And so the workplace, I think, is the same. And when you have a disruption that happens in the work environment, every employee is going to respond to that differently. You know, I think back to my time in, in managing at a bank and we had a robbery and the employee that got robbed, it didn't face her. But the employee that watched her get robbed quit, couldn't handle it. And so it's just interesting when you think about like that different level of resilience and that different level of tolerance that people have in recovering from certain things, it's all going to be different. And so the more you're more resilient, your workforce is allows your company to bounce back stronger, bounce back quicker, get yourselves back to that thriving points and, and productivity levels that you're used to particularly following some of these, you know, really hard situations that you might be going through. Um, And when it comes to disruption, because you're you're not going to know what everyone's different resilience level is, you really need to to just bring support in and allow them to have that, that it's not a one size fits all, but like have that ability to kind of respond. So like with our free that's why we have large group briefings, small group briefings, and one-on-ones. You give that flexibility for employees to kind of meet that support on what's most comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some misconceptions here, both around mental health and, and resilience. And I'll tell a quick story. Uh, this goes back to episode 34, when I interviewed a friend of mine, Tracy Powell, and she was talking about how uh, her daughter uh, was uh, hit with a, a homework assignment in college that just really caught her by surprise. And she had a little meltdown. And, you know, a, a misconception there could be that, well, her daughter's not very resilient because she melted down. But I say, no, that's not accurate at all. The fact that you melted down and then stood back up and then went and did the work is the definition of resilience. So, what are some misconceptions that you see either around mental health or resilience, either from employers or maybe some employees might look at it incorrectly? What, what do you see in that area? Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes with employers and, you know, there's this fear of talking with about mental health, you know, some of kind of when I'm, you know, out talking with individuals about what R3 does is, you know, the tricky part about mental health is, you know, if I break my leg, I can have an x-ray that scans my leg and says, you have a broken leg. But with mental health, I don't think you can see it like that. And so I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and just under, you know, just overall understanding of, of, of what it does to, um, you know, what an individual is able to control or not able to control. Um, and so when it comes to disruption, I think sometimes they might Miss, uh, miss gauge how impactful that disruption actually was on the work environment. Mm. And, you know, or let's say the disruption happens within the community, not in the actual work environment. They may not feel like there's going to be this ripple effect, but I, I like to think that there's a ripple effect with any disruption and there's going to be, you know, you're directly impacted, you're secondary impacted and your tertiary impacted individuals. So even if something maybe didn't happen in that work environment, because of enough employees impacted by it, 
in a community, mm-hmm. it's going to ripple into your organization. And so how you as a leader respond to that and support your people is going to make the difference. So, um, and I think too, you know, not knowing where your resources are and helping your people, you might think, oh, I can just handle this on my own, uh, or I'll just like, you know, hope it doesn't happen. Like threats of violence, I know is one of them. I've talked with individuals where it's like, yeah, they threatened us, but I didn't think they were serious, you know? And it's like, so I just kind of hoped that they wouldn't do anything. And I'm like, that's, that's not going to, that's not going to hold you up in court. Um, and it's certainly not going to help you when something does happen. And so I think as an, as a leader, it's really looking at all of those situations saying, what can I do to make sure that I'm supporting my people the best that I can. And, and, um, you know, even if you don't think it's as big a, is impacting your work environment, maybe get it, you know, check with your people, kind of maybe walk the floor and see how people are responding to it. And because letting it go and not responding soon enough can actually be more detrimental than, um, than, than not, you know, or then then taking care of it right away at the beginning of it happening. I like what you said there too, because it could be, yes, a, a very broad or very, uh, you know, a, a serious incident in the workplace itself, or it could be an incident in the community. Like you, you were talking about Las Vegas and the Las Vegas shooting and things like that. I'm sure people who were at that concert dealt with the, the post-trauma, the effects of the trauma you know, as they took that back to their workplace, wherever they work, but it can also be something that's silent or otherwise unseen. It could be a, a divorce at home that, that people are taking uh, the stress of that into the workplace. We all are carrying certain things that we might be the only ones who are aware of, right? Yeah, absolutely. I actually just interviewed somebody on my podcast on Workplace MVP who was at that Harvest Festival in Vegas when the shooting happened. Wow. And one of the things that was that we found that was so hard for us at R3 Continuum because you know our you know we're there helping businesses that have called us in but all we kept thinking about were those thousands of people who got on planes to head home who had been directly impacted by that event and what level of support are they getting and how can we, how could we do more, you know, cause that's at an individual level, but as a, a workplace, you know, that was interesting too, is that we saw, you know, there's a lot of workplaces that, that will contact their EAP when they know that there's been somebody impacted by that. And they actually did. That was one of the events where it was countrywide. We had people calling in because they either had somebody who was a victim or somebody who was impacted by it. And it affected the work environment. So it's just being aware that things might have more of an effect on on that work um, setting, and it can back that productivity. So I want to go talk about the leadership for a minute now, and I want to ask you how can leaders effectively lead an organization during a crisis or some kind of a difficult situation when they themselves may also be struggling with the trauma you know, that, that comes from the event, uh, how can they be effective if they're dealing with it too? Yeah, that's, that's the balancing act of a leader. You know, you're looked at as, you know, the one with all the answers, you know, almost like a superhero status is kind of how I look at it. You know, your people are watching you. And I think in those moments, you know, it's, it's okay to reach out for support and, and, and guidance. If you've not navigated a situation like that before. I think one of the key things is having, is being prepared for the what if and knowing, you know, at least at a baseline, what you're going to do and who you're going to call 
if you need that support. So you can get that, that, you know, kind of another, you know, outside party helping you to navigate it. Um, because it does make an impact in how a leader shows up to their people during those times, but they're struggling with it themselves. I mean, I talked with an HR, um, this individual is not in HR anymore, but she was, and she had a death of an employee and she goes, I've never experienced that before. I didn't even know services like R3 existed. And I had to navigate that and show up and write, you know, communications and, you know, and manage the response to it. And she's, she had no idea, but at the same time she was hurting too. And so I think knowing who you're going to call to get that help and knowing you don't have to navigate it alone, knowing it's okay in those times to be able to show emotion and vulnerability, because that allows your people to see that emotion or be able to know they can share that emotion and vulnerability. Um, but I think it's, it's crucial that they have a, a plan and, and know who they're going to contact and, and get that support because they don't need to try to navigate that alone. As an employer, I would rather work for a leader who did show that emotion rather than one who was, I don't know, almost gave the, the, the appearance of being, you know, just stone cold through the whole thing. Uh, I would feel better with someone who was able to, to demonstrate that they were feeling some of the same things I was. Absolutely. And, you know, when we train our consultants, I've seen it, 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 you know, we demonstrated like how a leader can show up in that moment. And, you know, we ourselves actually used our own services. We had a death of an employee and our own company president sought advice from one of our counselors on how do I talk with them? And it's like, it's okay to show tears. It's okay to, to, to give a little bit of that vulnerability to them and let them know that you're, you're hurting too. But it's also important during those times to give as much communication as possible and keep people informed, particularly if it's a very large catastrophic incident or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, mass shooting or um, natural disasters or whatever the case may be. It's really important to have as much communication as possible. People will fill in voids with their own story and you want to make sure that you're the one filling that story. Um, of what's going on. And even if you don't know anything, being transparent to say, I don't know any more than this, but as soon as I do, I will let you know. Um, So I think, you know, that's where it's, you know, having a plan and knowing who you're going to contact for that support is so crucial so that you're not trying to navigate that blindly or making decisions weeks after when the decisions needed to be made prior to, or at the moment um, following. Yeah, one one of the things we talk about a lot in in my industry is uh, what are trigger events, and so sometimes you look at a crisis, a mass shooting or or something like that, and you're like, well, yep, there you go, that that's a crisis. But a lot of times there's these limited crises, these mini crises, or these gray areas where you're not really sure. Well, yeah, this is you know not business as usual, but I'm not sure I would classify it. Um, as a crisis. And so there's going to be times where it may not be obvious that people are struggling with mental health issues coming out of uh, an incident like that. What are some signs that leaders should be looking for as indicators of mental health issues in their employees? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question. You bring up a really good point when you talk about not everything is a crisis, which is why we call it disruptive events. Because, you know, years back we were like, gosh, but not everything we respond to. In fact, the majority of the work that R3 does respond to is not a crisis. 
but it is disruptive. It's disruptive on that work environment. So what I, I am, and we have, you know, descriptions around what we would define as disruptive, but really it comes down to it, you know, any event that could, or that has impacted the emotional um, stability of the organization. So like, you know, death of a longtime employee, um, death of one of their spouses. If you've got a really tight knit, like our three, we're like a family. And so like, you know, we know each other's spouses. And so like, even that can be impactful on a work environment. And so I think, um, some of the things to watch for is, you know, if it was impactful enough where people are talking about it, it might be, you know, you may want, may want to have somebody there for a day and just make sure that people know they have that support or, access their, their, you know, provide an 800 number that allows them to contact their EAP. Or if you don't have that available through your EAP, R3 Continuum can help you with that. Um, or, you know, if like, you're just not sure some of the signs could be productivity is down. You can, you can gauge it. You can see it. Um, maybe people aren't showing up their typical selves. Um, you know, maybe somebody's starting to demonstrate more aggressive behavior who typically isn't. And, and part of that could be because they're angry. They're not getting that support Yeah. Um, because again, everybody's going to respond to those situations differently. And so what might be, you know, one's response to it's going to be different in another person. And some are going to be totally, they're not going to show you, they might be internally dealing with it and they're not going to, you know, show it externally. So I think just as a leader, if you, you know, if it's impacting you, it might be something that you need to get support for uh, your people. And there's a lot of anger out there right now. And, and I don't know if that's because of the pandemic. You mentioned some political divides. There's um, you're in the U.S. I'm in Canada and it's no different here. And I have customers all over the world. And there's a lot of that going on right now. I mean, there's there's stress and you can see it and it's yeah. real and it's palpable and it's. Um, it can't be ignored. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So what about the employee, the the person themselves, the individual? When are some times when you think it's proper for them to raise their hands and say, hey, I need some help here? I think first and foremost, it's important that an, a leader create a work environment that makes it comfortable for an employee to be able to speak out that it's they need that support. Safe, a safe space it's to do safe it. Safe space. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I talk a lot about that on my podcast as well with other leaders, but that is, that comes up almost every single time is that, that need to ensure that that work environment feels um, safe for an employee to speak. But, you know, in the event that it doesn't, you know, and I think for an employee, you know, particularly following an incident, <clears throat> I think, you know, it, it's tricky because they may not know where their resources are to reach out for help. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes they may not feel like they're comfortable to do that, which is why you'll see people just leave, you know? Um, so I think what is important is if they're starting to feel like their behavior is changing, you know, their response to something, they're not feeling at their normal self. They maybe are feeling a little bit more down, Maybe they're, you know, having, you know, utilizing, you know, alcohol or substance, you know, substance more than normal. Mm-hmm. Maybe their sleep is disrupted as a result of a situation. It might be time to, to consult with somebody or identify who the EAP is um, that their work is, is offering. 
What I've heard a lot from some leaders, though, that we're dealing with now is because of some of the burnout and the stress that people are under, having to lift that phone is more work than it's than they want to deal with. So a a great, great quote that I heard from somebody um, was when people are burned out, they don't reach out. And so I think it really does come down to organizations, you know, keeping an eye on their work family, if you will, and keeping an eye on those employees and watching for things that might be out of character because your employee may not raise their voice. I know there are a lot more that are vocal now than ever before in requesting that they get those, those healthcare benefits and support. It's, 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 it's becoming more expected and desired that they have that kind of flexibility and variety. But a lot of the times I feel like it's the employer having to take that initiative to present those options. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a disruptive perspective, an employee might not know who they can reach out to talk to. And so I think that's where, you know, if they are feeling that way, you know, hopefully there's something, they have a comfortable work environment. They can talk to their, their leader about it. So I'm going to just make a, a quick case here to um, to tie mental health to business continuity and resilience in the workplace because again, I'm going to reuse this quote. You know, my business can't recover unless my people can recover, and if we build that into our business continuity strategy and then communicate that business continuity strategy effectively. So in other words, the organization is embracing the whole business continuity culture, then they will know that. And it's a benefit to the employer, to the organization, to make sure those things are in place. Because from a mental health standpoint, uh, if, if the workplace is safe and if the workforce is strong and knows how to get help, it benefits everyone, including the bottom line, uh, you know, as we go forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I would completely agree. And, and, you know, employees, when you make it convenient for them and easy to access the support, they'll use it um, from what we're seeing Um, in their good, but they're, but, you know, how I might want support is going to be different than how my neighbor is going to want support, right? Like I, I'm a very talkative person, but when it comes to feelings, I'm not going to openly share my feelings. Um, you know, about something, you know, sensitive, but others, that's their channel to release that. So a large group setting to be able to hear that they're not alone, you know, and they've got that sense of community. Other people are there for me, just being able to know I'm not alone and just know, like, it's okay to have those feelings is enough for me. And for others, they might need to vocalize it. And so, you know, just creating kind of those work environments where it feels like a community, there's hope, um, people feel safe is going to help them to, to be able to stay resilient and thrive and recover. Do you think people are generally as resilient as they'll ever be, or can we teach people to become more resilient? I think you can teach people to become more resilient. Um, I think if you want, if they want to be, you know, some people, you know, I like, for me, I love that ability to constantly learn and grow and, you know, you know, chase after being more. Um, <clears throat> I think everyone's a little bit different in that area. I think you can teach it, um, which is, you know, the beauty of what R3 does is, you know, we help people to learn how to cope and, and how to build on those natural resiliencies. Because I think some people maybe don't 
have the knowledge of how to tap into it. And so having, you know, that's where, you know, like even in a professional career, you know, having a coach or a mentor to really help pull out what's great about you. I think resiliency can be the same thing. You know, how do you pull out, you know, that person's ability to, to fight through things? And we're all going to be at a different level with that. One of the things I want to say to someone who is struggling is, yeah, that first step, that phone call or turning to someone near you is is maybe going to be the hardest thing that you'll ever do. But like your example of the lobster, yeah, it's going to be painful, but you're going to come through it as a new creature and pick someone. You, you can. That's the beauty of it. You can pick whoever you want. But don't suffer alone and in silence and, and just pick that person and reach out and start the conversation. It gets better. Um, one of my fa- favorite quotes, and you've been good with quotes here through these two episodes, but one of my favorite quotes is speak the truth, even if your voice quivers and, mm-hmm. you know, please don't suffer. Just, just reach out. Now, I want to ask you a hypothetical question. And it might not be a fair question, but we're going to give it a go here. So let's say there's a a, a traumatic, a disruptive event in the workplace. If no attention is paid to mental health, Hmm. how would you see that playing out? Would it be a situation where the people who are dealing with it well are having a positive effect on the others? Or would it be a situation where the people who are not dealing with it well would have a negative effect on the others? Or would they just divide and go about their own business? How would it be if we didn't pay any attention to this? Yeah, that's such a great uh, question. Um, I've been a leader since I graduated uh, college. And one of the things that I think is just true in any work environment is that negativity feeds negativity. Mm. And I think it happens faster than positivity feeding positivity. And so... I think anytime you're creating an environment within your workplace where there's that potential for negativity to spread, it's going to. And I think it's harder to rein that in sometimes than if you've got positivity spreading. So even though you might have a very resilient individual who's able to respond, I think eventually those feelings of, gosh, they really didn't do anything. They didn't support us. They didn't help us is going to spread through the majority of that work environment. And you're going to have angry people and what ends up, you know, and nowadays, you know, those are the worker comp claims that you're going to get the litigation that you're going to see. And I think for an employer really in today's world, you, you just, you can't not provide that level of support. Um, your employees are expecting it. Um, you, I think it's, it's important for them to help control some of the dialogue once something like that happens and how are you supporting it? And I think, you know, really just thinking to yourself, what kind of leader and workplace do you want to show up as when something catastrophic like that happens? I think that's what makes all the difference in what people see in the media, what workers tell to their friends and their family is how well that employer supported me when that happened. Um, as opposed to, wow, you need to do something about this. And the next thing you know, years down the line, you're still cleaning up, you know, from a situation that, you know, you might've been able to, to mitigate some of that, you know, and some situations are going to be so catastrophic. It's going to take a bit to recover from that just by the nature of what occurred. But I think, you know, how you, you, you start supporting people immediately following can make a difference in how 
much faster that can happen. Jamie, what's the best way for people to reach you? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn um, and it's, it's Gasman with two S's and two N's. Um, and um, they can also reach out to r3c.com. That's our website. Um, but certainly can email me. It's just my first name, dot my last name at r3c.com. Be happy to talk with anybody and uh, help get a conversation going on how we might be able to help their work environment. All right. And we'll put the, the links to all of that in the show notes. Jamie, when we started doing this, I knew we were going to have more than enough for two episodes and we sure have. I could continue to talk to you for the rest of the day. Thank you so much for doing this, for your insights. And thank you for being a guest on the Resilient Journey podcast. Wonderful to have you here. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you for letting me share our three story and, and the great work that our, our teams do. Really appreciate that. Thanks to Jamie Gassman for joining me in both episodes 38 and 39 of The Resilient Journey. Thanks also to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the podcast. You know, mental health is a focus of the Think Tank here in Q2, and you can learn more about it by checking out some of the resources at resiliencethinktank.com. I'm very excited about next week's episode. Next week, I'm joined by Roberta Anderson Sutton from the Potomac Law Group, And we're going to talk about some gaps I bet you didn't know you had in your insurance coverage. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.